Welcome to Beyond Trauma, a guide for your healing journey. This podcast is a project of Beyond Healing Media, where we value each person's humanity and what life experiences shaped you to be who you are. We, as the hosts of this podcast, seek to embody these ideas as we explore things like trauma, its impact on the body and mind, and even how it has shaped the way that we are in relationships. Trauma is not the end of our journey. So within this podcast, we will also discuss what it's like to heal, move forward, and grow as a human who's experienced pain. Thanks for checking out this podcast. Beyond Trauma is a project of Think Beyond, a listener-funded media house focused on connecting humans through therapy and art. To keep this podcast going, we'd love for you to support us on Patreon by searching patreon.com slash thinkbeyondhealing in your favorite web browser. And don't forget to check out our new merch by going to our website at connectbeyondhealing.com and clicking on the merchandise tab. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Beyond Trauma, a guide for your healing journey. We are back, Jen and I, in our Enneagram kind of season, which feels like kind of a whole podcast in itself, more than just a season. <laughs> yes. I think it's going to last multiple seasons. Yeah. We've kind of thrown away the concept of seasons, I guess. Like, yeah. we're just having conversations. Sure <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think you're supposed to say it, I guess. I don't know. Every podcast, like editor and player kind of has seasons as a way of dividing things. So yeah. whatever. Anyway, um, we have a guest today, um, Chalice. And you are, well, I'll let you introduce yourself, <laughs> but um, we're, we're kind of sticking with our gut triad exploration right now. Tuning into the gut um, is like our sub um, season that we're in right now, I guess. Um, but I would love to hear, Chalice, just um, whatever you'd like to share with the guests before we, before we jump in. Um, so my name is Chalice Bauer and I'm in the Midwest yet. I feel like it's important to, to say that I'm not from the Midwest, which maybe I shouldn't say that. I don't know, but <laughs> I'm from the East coast. So it's very different in the context I'm in now. So I have, um, four grown children and I'm a therapist and I, um, specialize in trauma. So EMDR trained and pretty much love all things beyond. Um, so just happy to be here. Anything else that? No, I think, I think that's great. Um, yeah. I love just hearing, um, as well. I'd love to just hear what you mean by important to note that you're in the Midwest. Um, <laughs> what do you mean? I know it's, <laughs> it's already, it's, well, it's already starting. It's, it's already starting. That here I am as an eight, um, <laughs> because I'm a fish out of water. Even in even in personality, being somebody who's you know coming at things from the gut, it feels very contrary in the context that I'm in in the Midwest. It's a pretty culturally, I I'd say it's pretty reserved and restrained mm. um, emotionally, behaviorally, just kind of which is just so contrary to kind of how I am in general. And so I'm a lot um, for a lot of people. A and lot I found for a lot of people. Pretty quick when I got here. 
<laughs> I'm so curious whether we get into it now or maybe as the conversation unfolds, but when I think about the East Coast, uh, I and I, I'm not from there, I've barely visited there, but I think of it in a cultural way of having more eight energy than the Midwest. Yes. Just wondering like uh, your experience of like fitting in or feeling more a part of as an eight in that uh, region, but also maybe some of the shaping and the development of your eightness and how much of the culture from the East Coast influenced that. Yes, I feel like if I mean, I learned that I was eight after I moved to the Midwest. So it's easier to notice that for myself. Um, however, in the East Coast, especially like Northeast, so I was in Boston for a while and um college at UMass and and so you kind of would feel like aren't aren't we all eight-ish? Or <laughs> like aren't we all? It's just it's a little bit more direct the east coast in speech and um not real sensitive in the way that um things are said and not as sensitive in the way that things are received either mm. like just it is what it is say what you say take things at face value and um so i think just in language even in volume in the east i think East Coast is just a little bit louder, a little bit even demonstrative bodily, like just not so, you know, like this. Mm, like, yeah, hands okay. close and to I'm, the chest. I'm, like, yes, yeah. yes, <laughs> yes, like tidy, a little more. Yeah, they're restrained. So not so much on the East, I think. We had a, a therapist that worked with us um, who I would say identified as an eight and I could see that. And she was from New York. And so she said very similarly, like I came here and had to figure out how to like get soft and cushion my words differently and feel that feeling of people being really uncomfortable around me and almost afraid of me um, when I didn't, wasn't trying to be like scary or uh, put it off any kind of negative energy, but I just think that's so interesting. She was also identified as an eight. Yes. And I think of it like old school, like, you know, in an old school stereo, they would have the the volume, big, big button volume turning thing. Um, I feel like I'm always turned down to like a six, like 60%. So like if a 10 was as high as it could go, I'm, I'm at a six all the time, baseline like aware of, I better, I better turn myself down to about 60%. Um, so here you, in the Midwest. just on that point, that's when you brought up the volume knob, I was wondering, do you naturally want to be at the 10, but you turn it down to the six or. I think I'm even afraid of my own 10, like oh. what that, but I'm always aware that there's more. Like mm. I am so aware that I could be much more than I'm being right now. And I'm not even sure what that would be. Like, it's just kind of an awareness of like, there's just so much more that I could bring right now, but I'm dialed back. And then I think it's because, and from a subtype perspective, from my my instinct is social. So I also kind of can, I care about and I want to read the people that I'm with. So, and how I am aware of how I affect others. So I can even tell if I need to go down 
to about 40 with some, like, like I really have to pull myself in and it is, it's so like body, the way that I feel like, just bring it down, Mm. you know? Okay. Chalice, even self-taught, like it's dial it back, dial it back. Yeah. Turn it down (laughs) to you in that process. Like, is there a price that you have to pay to like hold it at that 60 or turn it further down to a 40? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I probably need to pay more attention to that so that I can um, release the energy that just had to be restrained Mm. while I was with that person. So Yes, but I don't, I'm not conscious about that. I should consciously find Mm -hmm. some more releases because, because of that dialing back. I think the cost is built up energy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm curious. um, And we can kind of just let this evolve as it, as it comes to us, but how did you discover your eightness? I know you said it was after you moved to the Midwest, but what in coming to know about the Enneagram and then discovering all these types and then finding your place in eight, can you share a little bit about what that was like? Yes. Um, I don't remember it being hard to find myself in the Enneagram. It Mm. didn't take very long after reading each of the numbers. Um, even even from an extroverted perspective, I feel, I feel like eight is is a pretty strong um, personality type in terms of you know I don't think it, it just wasn't hard it was pretty quick um, but I felt so good reading it I just felt definitely known I I didn't really go through the um, like I. The hatred, some people say like, you'll learn your number and you'll just not like it. Like mm. you won't like how that felt feels necessarily. Um, I didn't like that. I didn't like that they, that the eight was known as rude or, um, Brash. I don't know, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't love that, but I, I. I was like, yeah, I'm an eight. That's clear. That's fast, obvious. Yes. Yeah. So. Were you feeling misunderstood by those kind of misconnotations? Um, I think I think it, I was okay with it enough because I know that I could be those things. Like it's not outside of my range. Those are in you for sure. For sure. For sure. Like there are times, I I mean, just, I'm just, you have to dial yourself back so much because I am aware even in, um, so I'm incredibly protective towards the people that I care about. And that's where I'm really aware of, I could, I don't even know if I, I, the word that came to me is so intense. Like I could destroy you if you, like I could totally, if you, if you hurt somebody that I care about, like you will just, I will just, yeah. Like, I mean, not physically, but I mean, but I, I know what's in there and I, it's pretty, it's pretty relentless and you would just, there would be nothing left. Right. I just know it. 
So decimation. Yeah. I know. See, this is the hard part because this is even in the dialing back. I'm even in my mind, like, oh, should you have said destroyed? Because I'm always aware of the intense language, all that's there. Right. And so say when you were pausing my mindset destroy, like from shared feeling of, and I don't know if that's that connection in the gut, but my brain filled in your pause with, I will destroy you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, if that, if the cause calls for it, yeah, then that that's a a big energy and a big power that lives there. So yes. uh, I definitely had a shared thought. <laughs> yeah. And, and I feel like, and uh, I know that this is speaking contrary to many messages of the need to dial back, but in this time, like, please feel free to vocalize. I'm, I'm, sen- I'm sensitive <laughs> of that. And then just like, go for it because <laughs> I, I just want you to be able to speak kind of from maybe a place that just feels really authentic and organic to you. Um, but yeah. again, I understand Right messages of right hey, turn it down and that comes now as a self talk like narrative. Yes, um, but I think yes. in those in those true feelings unedited, that eight can come really clear. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's uh, I I'm almost picturing like um, you know how uh, opposing countries are. You just kind of there's talk of what do they have in terms of weapons or arsenal or I'm just aware, like in me and with me, I, there's a stockpile. Like I will, you're prepared for a war. It's there. Oh yeah. It's there. So I don't. And I wonder if that's why I don't necessarily have a lot of fear. I don't, I don't Mm -hmm. have a lot of fear for what might come my way because I think it's because I'm aware of, whatever it is, I'll, I'll be able to handle it. Like I have, you know, the resources within me to, to just do whatever is needed. Yeah. No, that's reminding me of, um, there's a comedian, um, who wrote a book. They were a patient of Dan Siegel's, um, and they wrote a book and famously they are in eight. Chelsea Handler is the comedian. Um, and there's a wonderful audiobook where she's reading her book, but she talks about that exact, almost exactly the same language that you just used of, I'm just aware that within me, I have yeah. no fear to stand up for what I believe in. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I don't worry that I'll be without, like, mm-hmm. or that it will run out or, yeah. Yeah. It's. So it does, I wonder if that's too why the the that we show up as eight as just confident. So there is a confidence. And unfortunately, I think it's unfortunate, but an intimidation. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's really not meant. I think some of how eights are experienced are not the eight's intention. Mm-hmm. Like I really don't intend or you're find not trying to be confident. No, you're not trying no, to be overimposing no. or big or yeah. No, or even I don't. I would find no joy in knowing I'm intimidating someone. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't. I don't need to intimidate anyone. It, sure. It's not a need of mine. So it's not a conscious like puffing up. 
it's not a conscious getting big. Um, and maybe that's more of like somebody that would, if they feel threatened or fearful, then they would get big and would want to intimidate, but I'm not, I don't even have a need to consciously intimidate anyone. So when I hear that I'm intimidating, it's just a bummer. A bummer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause I don't, I, I really don't mean to. Yeah. What I hear in that is several kind of hallmark attributes of the eight where valuing protection, mm-hmm. standing up for what you believe in, fearlessness, confidence. And what I love that you just spoke to is that underneath all of that, your intention is to make a protective and healing space. Yeah. And that's where uh, what I'm hearing is that being misunderstood as intimidating runs contrary to your true intention right. of making a space that is healing and like a refuge for others. Yeah. yeah. And and something more that I would say about that that does end up being unfortunate for the eight is the strength that we kind of show up with. It it sends a message of I've I've got this. And that's usually true, actually, but <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but what if sometimes we don't? It, it it nobody imagines that that eight would really need anything, mm-hmm. or that you would need to maybe check on an eight or offer help of of any kind because the appearance is so strong of like I got it, I got it, I got it, and again it we. We usually do, but not always. Yeah. So that's that's a difficult part because of um you you don't experience as much of um just the attentive care from others. Yeah. Um, because you appear to not need it. And 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 we might even do that by blocking some of that care so that that I got it is a little bit like ah uh, kind of self-fulfilling prophecy exactly totally yeah totally yeah it, it takes me into kind of like the origin stories of each type of those core wounds that develop these personality qualities or traits to say what is it like to maybe learn through experience that it's I'm better off having it and having all of the internal resources and the capacity to manage and and face anything I need to without having to require or depend on someone else to attune to me and support me and and uh, connect with me through it. Therefore, now in my eightness, it's hard to allow that in, um, and I don't get offered it. Right. Right. And then that, I guess maybe that's when you can kind of move to a two in, and I know that that's kind of a a growth that the eights go to, but also just even other parts of the two where you're kind of like, well, wait, who's, does anyone care about me? Yeah. Yeah. And how vulnerable even that awareness can feel of, oh, I have needs. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah. Can you share a little bit about that? Oh, it's like, it's like, ugh. I, 
Ugh. <laughs> the, the disgust response. <laughs> it is. It's just like, oh. And then you, when you feel like, oh, I need something from somebody, especially like emotional need or um, some type of care, like ugh, I, I, I can feel even just, it's just so uncomfortable. I can feel the discomfort even when I talk about it because I, it, it's like this cycle that will happen. So I feel. I feel yucky about needing it. Um, I'm so aware though that it's there. And I think that's part of the eight too. Like we just know what's true, which kind of sucks in this point because it's like, I can't even lie to myself. Right. Like I, and act I, like you don't have to, needs or need no, care. I can't even deny what's true. So there it is. Okay. I got to admit it. Um, and then it feels gross. And then you get mad. So then you go to anger at self. Like I'm so angry at myself for letting myself have this need right now. It's so dumb. Why are you, you know, like just why would you, this is dumb. Okay. Why did you put yourself in this position? Shouldn't have never even. So it's this whole thing about what are you thinking? Like mm -hmm. the whole thing is just, oh yeah, it just feels awful. Like. Yeah. Like you really blew it just, but, and it's like a normal, I mean, my brain knows this is just normal human need. Right. And everybody else gets to like, I don't shame anyone for, you know, I, I no, you're I, a therapist. I mean, I'm you... a therapist, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it's like, I'm the exception, but right. it's, there's so many parts of being an eight that do, do feel like I'm an exception, but here's what's weird about it. I think it comes across as arrogance. Again, this is another thing with like the intimidation piece, like arrogance. It, so much that I could say right now on this podcast <laughs> would sound so arrogant, but the what's underneath it, it's not arrogant. Like right. there are some things that are just true about life as an eight. Mm. And to the listener, they might be like, oh man, like this lady's full of herself or like right? whatever. Yeah. But it's like, I'm really not trying to be arrogant. Like, and, and, and the way I could say that it's like, like, I don't think I'm better, but I am stronger. Mm -hmm. Right. So like. Sometimes when eights, if I explain the strength, it can sound like I think I'm better than others, but I really don't think I'm better than others, which I think would be more like arrogance, mm -hmm. but it's the truth is I am stronger, like nine times out of 10 yeah. in a group, I am the one that will be able to hold Stand it together. And, like, yeah. and it sucks sometimes it's good, but it also sucks because you're be like, very oh, lonely and totally. Yeah, totally. And so I think for the eight, I can't remember where I heard this, but one of the things that's difficult is eights don't really have a place, um, like thinking therapeutically, how we need attunement and containment, like eights don't really get to experience a lot of that containment where you're in the presence of another, they're bigger and stronger than you, and you can collapse if you need to. and. That's kind of sucky because collapsing yeah. would probably feel good. <laughs> would probably feel good. I love it that. Would probably feel good. <laughs> but it would, would have to or be, like right. has in the past. It's like, no, that idea sounds nice. Yeah. 
Yeah. What's it like to be in the presence of another eight? Like to feel like a shared space with someone with a similar amount of strength and power and capability. I really actually love it. I I do. I, um, I feel like I don't have to turn myself down. Mm. So I'm not at a hundred ever, but, um, I'm, I can be like 90, I can be 80, 90% with another eight. I, I just feel a freedom when I'm with another eight. Um, yeah, I can just, there's just, I get to show up with more. I can bring more. And that feels really good. Um, as a therapist, one of the things is when I work with eights, the only thing is somebody needs to slow us down yeah. because I like to just, let's just go after it. Like, let's just, you know, do the work. And then the client, the eight client shows up that way too. Like, let's go. Mm -hmm. Like, let's tackle anything that I need work on. And so I'm like, yes, let's go. (laughs) So that, that little thing has to be kind of named and just like, okay, we're going to have to consciously reel ourselves in, do some check-ins on how are we doing that kind of thing? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Gosh, I imagine for an eight to have an eight as a therapist would be so powerful because that's would be their safest place to get close to collapsing. Like, can I trust this person's got it and has the power and, and the protection over me that if I need to collapse, maybe I could. Yeah. yeah. And I think that is the, that is the experience for my client who's an eight and it's we've just been able to do really beautiful vulnerable work together because of that there's a lot of trust there you know i think he feels i've i've got him and i do mm. so yeah. yeah i feel very protected like i just i just want to like hold my people yeah envelop yeah. like wrap yeah. around yeah. yeah yeah i got you like no one will mess with you like yeah. i got you right now <laughs> yeah this is um kind of circling back to the to the arrogance piece the misconception um eights and for me a, a, as a five eights are like to me just like amazing people um as that's like my growth path mm. and my father-in-law is an eight and the the thing that he does, I think that I admire the most is speaking to this, like it's not arrogance. It's actually just preparedness or strength, but Mm. he, he will never act as if he knows something that he doesn't or can do something that he doesn't. It's like a very content, like, I'm not really sure, but I'll go and learn about this. And the next day it's just like, Okay, now they've now they're now he's like the expert on this, but would never show up and just like dump all this knowledge or say like, oh, I know all about this or I know about that. It's like, no, it's just how well, not if it's not true. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's a it's very hard for me to not say what's true. Mm-hmm. Like if it's if it's true, then I'll then yes, I know that. If I don't know it, no, I don't know it. That's. Yeah. It's almost like this compulsion to tell the truth. <laughs> oh yeah. I love that language. 
Yeah, it's very hard though. I always give people the the frustrating thing is, and one of the things I can't do socially, but well, sometimes I have to do it because you just, I don't know. Um, is someone's got to do it. (laughs) It's, oh my gosh, this is my biggest, one of my biggest pet peeves is, um, the whole elephant in the room scenario. Like when something is happen happening, we can feel it, especially if I can feel it, we know it, please say it, just say it. And so for me to hold myself back and not just blurt out the thing that is happening. Mm. It's like, it's very painful. So it, that requires a ton of restraint to just not say the thing. Like, let, who are we kidding? Like, right. that's what it feels like. Like, who are we kidding? Like, this is, this is ridiculous. Let's just name it. Yeah. Like you're lying. Like, come on. Like, let's not, I don't like games. I don't like any kind of like hidden you know, this person means this, but they're not really saying it. And you need to like find out, oh, what do you mean? Oh, just get over it. Just say it. Just say it. It, Everything is easier and just better that way. Like, Mm. and it saves time. You just, I, 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 that is a thing for the eight. That's difficult socially for me. Shouldn't speak on behalf of all eights, but I am just fast. Yeah. Everything is fast. So it just would save time if we wouldn't play games or pretend. Yeah. Anything. And, and when you say fast, I am thinking of so many eights in my life that it, it's, I, I wonder if it, it, is it that it's fast or is it that to waste time is, I mean, the one of the worst things that you can do. It's the dumbest thing. It that Why? Right. What, that doesn't make any sense at all. And it it just, I do, I can feel that in my body. Like, I just want to go like this. Like, right. come, on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Like, what are we doing? Like, this is silly. Let's go. It It is, it's very hard in relationships too, because especially if I'm in relationship with maybe a slow processor or um, somebody that's kind of just taking a look. Oh my gosh, just taking a long time to like get to the point. (laughs) So, and I'm aware of that in me though. And I just, I feel bad. Like, like, oh, I, I probably need to be a little more patient, but like, oh my gosh, what are you talking about? Words are coming out and to the point I'm standing here and I, I it's in pain. Like I'm standing here in literal pain. (laughs) (laughs) I really need to walk away because you're not saying anything. Veins are coming out of your forehead. You're just like short circuiting. (laughs) It's so hard. Back when you're ready to get to your point. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's so hard. Why don't you think about it and then come back and? (laughs) Like it is like bodily painful. (laughs) One of the things, uh, just on that point, is like, what's your experience been like? in marriage and having children, like none of that is expedient. (laughs) Oh my goodness. No. So yes. Wow. So I'm married to, and get ready. I'm married to a four. So an eight and a four is there's some challenges. And that's such a kind way to say it. 
So I want to speak to that just for a second, because fours and eights, I find actually do get together a lot because they both have such an admiration for robust, Mm -hmm. just like, give me all of it right now. You know, Mm -hmm. the, the eight kind of is talked about sometimes as representing lust and just like that exuberance for life. Like I just want to like ring out every last drop and the four is like, no one's ever given me the space to do that. So that sounds amazing. I'll like, let's just collude in this and we'll make an adventure out of life to just live it to the fullest and just be in all of its mystery and amazing kind of nature. But I think with that amazing pair comes just an incredible challenge of, are we enough? Is this okay? Is this, you know, just all these second guessing sometimes. So just to give that context, um, I think eights and fours really enjoy each other sometimes. Yes. I, I think that was also just for me, I remember meeting him and the feeling was like, he matches me. And I think it did come with the the intensity and the passion to like, whatever you're into, like you're really into. And so I think that was what that felt like at the same time. So I think that is what they have in common for sure. But like, we are so different. Yeah. We are the most different. And so, and I think with that comes the, is that okay? Right. Like, and, and I think more for him it is because there's that individualist and mm-hmm. um, force kind of doing their own thing over there. But eights, there's a need to control um, what's on the outside or surrounding. Yeah. So that has been probably the most challenging thing that he's had to deal with is me coming in and trying to uh, make changes on him, for him, yeah. in him, all that stuff. Are we on the uh, same page? Like we've yes. got to be consistent, unified front. That's right. That's right. And we just, I, um, I mean, it's like 26 years now. I, I don't, I, I don't think we're going to be on the same page. Like it's coming. <laughs> yeah, I don't really think so. So, yeah. yeah, it's learning and acceptance of, and so he would say we both would say that the enneagram has helped more in our relationship than anything. I mean, when I read about the four, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like you're not. This is really what you're. You are like you're not just trying to like piss me off or. <laughs> be like annoying or just like, yeah, I was like, oh, that's okay. Wow. There's a group of you. So (laughs) there's like a label and everything. There's like a whole thing. Yes. There's a group of you. I love that. So, yeah. And he is kind of, um, you know, dreamy and just, so even in that, so communicating with the pace, Mm. we're so different because he'll, you know, when he's sharing a thought there's pauses and thinking it through and and creating what words to use. And I'm just like, dude, like what? <laughs> what? So yeah. Skip the poetry. Get oh to my the God. point. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I don't know, maybe eights don't even like poetry because I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I think it, it has to speak to the truth of things. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm thinking about, uh, I have a few eights in therapy that they don't like the, the art without a point. <laughs> one one oh. of my uh, clients says, like, 
you know, it, it's just why waste time when we can just, you know, talk about it or I, I don't want all this like hidden meaning in things. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. But for people that speak in their art directly to something that's unspoken, that's the, that's what these eights really kind of like. It's like, oh, okay, I see the point of this. It's, it's actually speaking to something that isn't spoken to elsewhere. Finally, somebody's brave enough to like say it or like do it. Yes. Yep. So yeah, lots of acceptance there. Cause my, my, I mean, he even writes poetry. So I'm just, you know, and gifted. So I, 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 I can recognize that. Like I can Respect see. It. Oh, mm -hmm. oh yeah. Yeah. But I just like, okay, what are you saying? Just say. Not for me. It, yeah. <laughs> you do you over there. <laughs> but we both value independence, which is nice. And neither one of us want to be controlled by anyone. So yeah. that is also really helpful. Independence and, and I wonder, authenticity? Yes. Right. Yep. So that's another thing that works. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then of all my kids, four kids, and the oldest is a four. And then the, the boys in the middle, I'm not even totally sure. So probably sixes. So <laughs> probably sixes. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, yeah. Um, but the youngest is an eight. And that is so easy for me. Mm. It's so easy to raise an eight. Mm. I mean, I have to, though, be conscious about being a mother right. to her because she doesn't need it. Like, she is just so self-sufficient. So she lives like, and I got this. So I have to actively, like, insert myself in to bring her near and add the nurturing hmm. because she doesn't ask for it. She doesn't come to me for it. Yeah. So It'd I have to bring it to her. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Jen, I'm curious, like what you're making of all this. Well, I, I always, always love to hear the parenting side of it and, and the, what's it like to parent from that perspective and it's interesting to hear you say you relate so much or it's so easy to parent your child that's an eight. I have one who's playing around with the one and it's so hard to parent the same member as me. <laughs> Especially when he believes what is right isn't right. And that's hard for like, how do I not just join him in this? So I think that's fascinating to hear the eight and the eight how easy that can be and can work well rather than it feeling like a challenging or a butting heads of each other. Yes. Well, she communicates the same mm. and I don't have to guess anything with her. You know exactly what she's thinking and feeling um, in our family, like family group texts. Um, she and I get teased that like, well, especially me, that I hurt people's feelings with the way that I text because mm. I'm just blunt. Like, Straight I don't know point. why we would give lengthy texts. I don't even understand that. So just, it, yeah. It's, oh, and here your fours are, I'm sure, just typing out these like Oh, long... my goodness, yes. <laughs> yes, they are. Yes, they very much are. So, yeah, mm. just in the communication. So the others think that my youngest is rude and I'm like, I don't hear that. Like, I just think she just said, she just answered the question. Like, yeah. 
So I don't hear it as rude as much as the others do, you know, but they get their feelings hurt from yeah. what, the communication style. What challenges or like, what was your experience with the eldest as a four throughout your parenting experience? Um, I really had to learn about what it is to be a four. So before the Enneagram, I think it was the temperament. So when I would know about the right. melancholy, um, which is so, so cardinal to the four, like the melancholy yes, spirit. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so, um, and then as an eight, I have a wing seven. So I, I am, you know, got that sort of cheerful kind of, you know, um, so when I learned about the four being melancholy, one thing that I had to learn and it has been helpful is that the four needs you to just sit in the sadness with them. There's no desire to come out of it. And so for me, what's natural for me is like, well, you know, let's cut the goal is like, let's get up and out of that, you know? Yeah. But I just had to like kind of mirror the, oh, like that sounds awful. And then just let it hang there. Yeah. And then, oh, that just, I'm so sad. That's so sad. And just stay. Yeah. And that was the only way. Yeah. Cause it, one of the ways I think about and work with fours is that that's their home. Yeah. Is melancholy. And it, people on the outside call it sad mm -hmm. and they see it as pain and a problem. But yeah. those are two different things, easily differentiated in the four. It's like, no, I'm fine with my melancholy, but when I'm in pain, that's where I need I need some support and nobody seems to understand it. Right. And so I'm just here constantly misunderstood and looking for somebody to finally get me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and even the four having lots of different directions. I think eights are just very being future. Mm. oriented as well just like let's just go like let's pick the thing get the eyes on the prize and go and fours kind of are doing i'm doing a little bit of this and a little bit of that and so even guiding as a parent like okay what do you want to do for your future after high school and yeah i'm i've i am very kind of coachy which doesn't really work <laughs> with the four especially my gosh no no i like Stay to there. just yeah <laughs> Like, what are we doing? I'll get behind you. What are you interested in? What do you want to do? Let's go. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, for the head triad, the the phrases fives are I think, sixes are you think, and then sevens are let's go. And mm. you just like use that language of like, come on, let's yeah. no use in like just you know piddling around. Let's just move. We're going yeah. forward. Yeah. Yeah. I hear. That. Yes. And I would say, like I mentioned my client who's an eight, I'm the same way um, as a client. So when I'm the client, um, I push so hard, like push myself. And it's interesting that even just today, my um, individual therapist said to me, like, can you, like, it's, I love that you just want to keep growing and you keep, you know, but um she kind of was letting me know, like, I maybe need some time off from mm -hmm. therapy to sort of marinate in what we've already talked about and what's already there. And I was just like, huh? Like, what do you mean? Like, what? It's like, I need to just keep going to counseling, you know? And she was just like, well, you know, <laughs> 
So she just is, I think she's just trying to slow me down to like, let's just kind of feel what it feels like to be in some of the new that we've already gotten to. And that just feels so weird Mm. to do that. So, yeah. I'm curious your how you resonate with the phrases that Bridger mentioned with the gut triad. Mm-hmm. So that I'm right, you're right, and it's right, representing the eight, nine, and one. Okay. So the gut meaning, okay, gut, yeah, I'm right. Is I'm the right feeling. is for, for the eight, yeah. <clears throat> the eight. Okay. Um, see, there's that arrogant piece, right? <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. How do, how do you answer that without sounding just, that way? But again, it's, oh, it just feels so true. Like, mm-hmm. um, it, it, and it comes so fast. I think that's what it is too, is Immediate. in a situation, asked a question, what do you think we should do? Well, here's what's coming up. It's like, boom, it's right there. Like it pops up so fast my answer and like my knowing of what we need to do, what needs to happen. And it, it's so strong mm. and it's so sure. Um, and again, it comes faster than typically anybody else's answer too. So that's another aspect of it. So yeah, yeah it comes fast and strong. And so it does feel very true yeah. and it's very hard to believe that it might not be. What's your experience of not being on the other side of right? And like in the phrase being I'm right, Mm -hmm. is there ease and comfort in it's okay if I'm not right? Like I'm not going to advocate for something I don't know or I'm not so sure of. I only feel the power if it emerges as fast and powerful and sure. Or is it I need to always be right? Yeah, it's definitely not I need to be Mm -hmm. right. It is not, it's not a need. It, it's not even like um, an identity. It, it's not even having anything to do with how I'm seen or um, what people think of me. Like it has nothing to do with any relational aspects at all, or right. even a need for my ego. Even it's like, it's not even connected to that somehow. It is yeah. just uh knowing it's just a knowing feeling yeah and that's that's exactly what those phrases kind of represent um it's not an identity it, it's just the way it is for yeah. the types and jen yeah. i'm curious like with your orientation to it's right like mm-hmm. what do you make of that kind of the way Charles described that and and how you have a relationship with rightness yeah if it, it feels similar in that I don't, I don't feel like I always have to be right, but when I know what right is, and that usually is not oriented just of like me, but it's a, an it, it is right. There's a, something that is the right way to be or the right way to do. Or once I know that, like, I know it so strongly it's inarguable Mm. and someone could attempt to argue it, but I will have all of the ways of showing you (laughs) very clearly how it just is right. Because You're just wrong. Sorry. Like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's not even a, a need for them. Like it's not, not a, a desire for them to feel wrong, 
but it's like, you have to know what's right. Um, yeah. So I think Chalice and what you're describing, there's some similarity in that. If it's not like I always need to walk around being right constantly. And mm-hmm. if, um, which this is going to sound arrogant, but <laughs> It's like I always am right, though, because I'm only (laughs) going to choose the things that I know. Like on other things, it's like, oh, I don't know. And I don't have an opinion on that. I don't feel really anything about it. It just whatever. But it's like if I'm going to choose something, if I'm going to stand for something or believe in something or support something like it will be right. (laughs) Yeah, that's the definition of right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) See, easy. Gets along. (laughs) Yeah, I think AIDS respect have a high respect for ones too. I feel safe with ones um, because of that, because of their allegiance to what's right. I I don't feel like I have to look over my shoulder with ones like they're going to be like um, self governing. You know what I'm saying? So I don't necessarily have to like keep babysit or no, mm -hmm. no, I I don't really have to control them. They're going to already self-control. <laughs> yeah. I would imagine it's similar, Jen, for you of in the presence of AIDS. Yeah. People talk about feeling intimidated by AIDS or afraid of, um, I don't feel that same way. I think as you were describing where it's like, yeah, but I know like I can like tackle whatever comes up. Like I don't feel afraid in relationship with AIDS because, um, I feel a closeness to like the internal power if I need it. Mm-hmm. And so it, it does feel comforting. And in the way of like uh, standing for something and having a big energy about it and a go get it kind of mentality feels familiar. Um, Sometimes it shows up differently. Oftentimes, like it can look very different on the outside, but that kind of nature inside of that feeling does feel comfortable. Yeah. Chalice, just because you're in relationship with a four, um, the phrase is for the heart triad. For twos, it's you need. So very much like you need. Threes is I want. Mm -hmm. And fours are I need to know what I want. Mm. It's just like circular. I need to know what I want. I need to know what I want. Um, And how just clearly the tension and I think mutual celebration can be seen in eights. I'm right. Fours. I need to know what I want. It's like, well, we're going to move down the road. That's one thing that's for sure. But then as well, where will we miss each other? Where will we line up with each other? I think it's, it's pretty clear. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder, I'm so curious about the gut and what that's about because So, so Jen having this, I just know what's right. Like, it's just, it's out there. Like I just, I can see it. And there is like this straw, like this knower, Mm -hmm. like even, you know, when, when, if we have something, if my husband has something that's come up in business and I'm, he's contemplating, should I look to do this and that, and this is the price and this is, and then right away I'm like, oh yeah, you should do that. That's good. Yep. Yep. Like it's that fast. It's like, yep. That's a good idea. Like, it's like, what? Yeah. Like there's no need to sit down, look at the spreadsheet. Like it's just, yep. It tracks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. that's, I mean, across eight, nine and ones, 
so consistently that is uh, just, a, I think, a reality where even nine's orientation to your right, you know, it's sort of a, a dispositional, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get in your way. Like you just go after whatever that is. Mm. There's such an orientation in the gut towards right and wrong are what govern the world mm-hmm. and a barometer for truth or authenticity or is this going to be real? Is it actually what it presents itself to be? That's mm-hmm. where the gut triad is just, I don't know, kind of like the, they're the representatives of truth in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. It's interesting because it's like, it, I mean, what are we supposed to do about that? Because it it's, it really is like it, it hits the bullseye very often. Like it's, mm-hmm. So again, there's that there there's that sounding arrogant, but like yeah, no, I I can almost totally, count on it. <laughs> yeah, you can set your watch to it. Yep. Yeah. Um, just with the time, I feel like we could talk for so long, but I want to hear a little bit about kind of your subtype being yeah. social, and then I want to make sure we talk about anger as well. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to anger. It's always there. Ready? It's always there. Yeah. So <laughs> can you share a little bit of your awareness of the subtypes of eight with self-pres, social, and then one-to-one, and then why social kind of feels right for you? Yes. So, oh, I might not do the best job, but um, so as far as I understand self-preservation, and I love thinking about the instincts in terms of like animal instincts. So yeah. I think about the self-preservation, um, like a little animal, like creating a little hut, storing away, you the know, scavenger. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Storing away the seeds, burying them for the winter, you know, just sort of that scurrying, but, but, but even by, by himself, that animal out there doing that thing, making sure that he or she will be okay. Um, so that is kind of the, for me, the, the self-preservation, mm-hmm. um, just resources, being aware of having what they need. Um, Very and then add, add, yeah, add, add to it. Um, and then that one-to-one or sexual subtype, just that strong connection with another, um, and definitely an intensity, mm-hmm. um, about them as far as I know. So I think in the eights, that sexual subtype is going to be the most intense. Yes. Um, And the most obvious of the eights where it's like, okay, you're clearly a big personality. You've got oozing confidence. Like it's just very assured. Um, And and envelop the room, like just, yeah, kind of take over. Um, And then, so the third being the counter type. So not really. So the instinct being social, um, which is a little bit more connected to the pack. So instinct, animalistic, like herd type, caring yeah. about the herd, caring about the group. Um, so that's contrary to the the nature of the eight. So that's why it kind of doesn't look as much like an eight. So that would be the social subtype. And that's mm. what I am. Um, so I'm for, to some people, they do think I'm a two or they think out of the gate or when I, which is funny in therapy, sometimes when we talk Enneagram, I do hold back from set. Like I didn't put on the website that I'm an eight 
because some people don't want an eight for a therapist. Turned so, off from just the description. For sure. For sure. So I like hide that. <laughs> Keep it and close then when to the some chest. people find out, yeah, they find out I'm an eight. They're like, oh my gosh, how like you're like you're not an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, thanks. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm very connected to what other people need and what is kind of what's the group need. Um, very aware of um, social situations. The justice piece is super high if somebody is getting taken advantage of. So that's, they would be the highest, I think, the highest mm-hmm. protectors of yeah. the eight. Um, so very much so self-pres is going to be the least kind of oriented towards what do others that aren't in my circle need? Yeah. Um, like no concern with that. It's like, I don't know. That's on them over there. I just need to make sure I've got all that I need and the people that directly depend on me to have exactly what they need. One-to-one is I think one of the strongest advocates that will like burn a system down if it's exploiting one person. Um, You'll see like social justice warriors kind of in that one-to-one advocate kind of position. But then social aids I see very much as I'm thinking about what needs are there in the world and how can I be myself in that space and just do what I do, which is equip and nurture and protect and you know, just be kind of the, the, I like how you use that primal language of sort of the pack leader in that. Right. Yeah. And making sure, and that protection piece. So even, even in childhood, I, I was the group leader and if there was anything, and it's so funny because I've done some stairs, some story work, like narrative work on, um, and I have so many stories of me putting myself in the front Um, if there was any sort of scary situation, like, I'm not kidding as like an eight-year-old, yeah, like just some different things in the neighborhood I grew up in that were kind of, you know, some scary situations. And I would just tell everybody, okay, you guys go back. Like, yeah, put me in. Um, and just making sure that everybody else was okay. Um, and so it doesn't feel that's very non-eight-ish kind of like, even if we have a party, my husband's self-preservation and me being social, I'll think through like, we need to make sure we have something for if anybody's gluten-free or anybody's dairy-free or like just aware of like everybody needs to be accommodated. And he's like, who cares? They could put it in their backpack. They can come yeah, with their own, bring it. Their own gluten-free stuff. That's their responsibility. <laughs> You're like, easy for you to say self-pres over there. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. He just thinks every, every man for himself. Like, yeah. <laughs> And don't get in the way of my good time. Like that's, that's this right. is going to be great. That's right. That's right. Don't be yeah. stressed, Chalice. Yeah. So I do. Yeah, I do look more like a two in that. Um, yeah, being able to see what other people need, and mm-hmm. yeah, care well, about that think- to my own fault because I don't. There's a lot of self neglect in that. Um, yeah, a belief. And then you've got the energy and the strength of the eight. So I'm pretty sure I really don't need anything. Like yeah. I, so there's already the neglect of your own needs, but then with the strength, it's hard to tap into um, even being tired. Yeah. 
even being overworked. You just don't, you don't, you don't know that you are. Yeah. Just on that point, um, do you have any awareness of times in your life where like five has been a part of your story Mm -hmm. as your stress path? Okay. So this is super interesting too, because when I'm not doing well, for whatever reason, I'm stressed or I'm, I just feel like I'm not my kindest or loving or I will withdraw. But, but the mindset is you need to be protected from me. Mm-hmm. Like I will, this mindset and I'm not healthy right now. So I will infect the group and I don't want to bring anyone down. I don't want to be, you know, just, I don't want my maybe cynicism. So if I'm like going through something and I'm, I have a bad attitude or I'm cynical, I will take myself out of the check out and isolate because I'm like, I don't want to negatively affect anyone because they don't need to hear my cynicism or my snarky, you know, that might, that might bring them down. Mm -hmm. So I isolate for sure when I'm not doing well, Yeah, which is unfortunate. (laughs) Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. Well, you know, it's all there for resources. <laughs> right. You got you to go kind of figure yourself out. And the templates that build the eight are so self-determinant, you know, like you mm-hmm. need to be prepared. You need to be on. And if you're not, you're not going to serve the role and function that you need to in the group. And so go sort yourself out, get things figured out. And then when you're ready, come back. Yeah. And I think in a scenario where it is all on you, that is correct. But we don't often check, I think, the reality of, is it all on me right now? Like, yeah. is, do, do I have to be the one who has it all together all the time? Or mm-hmm. can I actually trust someone else and be mm-hmm. seen by somebody else and supported by somebody else? Mm-hmm. I think that's the, that's the growth edge for the eight of sorting mm-hmm. out. Like, are your certainties about the community around you being completely unprepared and needing you to always have it together. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I do, I do resonate with the need to feel competent. And mm-hmm. so for me, it's been really hard as like, this is so, I hate being a new therapist. I hate it because I hate being at the beginning. I hate, like, I just, I hate that novice that I don't like, have yeah. all of the knowledge. So I'm like a training junkie, a podcast like catch me up. I want to be 10 years beyond where I'm at right now and I don't like limitations um because limitations they slow me down. Mm-hmm. So even not having the full competence at with I I want to understand it all so that I can best serve clients. So so even just being frustrated at being new, I just don't like to be new. Yeah. Like, cause there's only so much I can hold in my brain. That's just true, which stinks. <laughs> you could just attach another like brain and just have like more <laughs> preparedness. Right. Right. That's interesting to think of that as like a, a vulnerable, a vulnerability point yeah. is being novice or newer at something and not yet having that knowing and feeling that the knowing is still being developed. Um, 
yeah, being a vulnerable point for the eight. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how I can had I a be... situation. Um, this is going to be vulnerable. So I'm going to be vulnerable here with this one. But Get it, it's just, I feel bad. Like I wanted the eights might get mad at me because <laughs> this is like, I'm going to like pull back the armor a little bit. <laughs> um, but when I had, this was a couple of years ago or maybe a year and a half ago with my own individual therapist, like we were just beginning to have really good work. And what I loved about her, she was my third try at finding a therapist because they have to feel big and strong to me. I knew that she was going to be a fit because the very first session, um, I, you know, I'm looking at her books because again, I'm learning. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got to stay present. So I said to her, I'm really going to have to work hard to be a client in this space because I'm so fascinated by therapy. So I, I'm going to be aware of like, I'm going up into my head and I'm like, mm. what is she doing? Why is she doing that? What? And so I told her, I'm going to have to be work really hard to stay a client. And she said to me, she said, um, that's my job. I will know when you're going into your head. I will mm. see it. I will know it. And I will bring you back into the room. I will keep you as a client. And I was like, what? Like, you're going to do part of my work for me. Like, mm. you're going to do that. Like, you just took something off of me, wow. which nobody does that. So that felt good. So we began our work together and I was starting to get vulnerable with her and I had this need that popped up in me and, oh, here comes the ucky thing. Like I, I needed to know if she cared about me, like me, yeah. not just her clients because she's a therapist. And I was so mad that I needed that. Like, I really needed to know, like, do you care about me or am I just your Tuesday at two? Mm. And I was mad that I needed that. Like, because so in my brain, it's like, Chelsea, you are her Tuesday at two. Who cares? That's the reality. Yeah. You're her Tuesday at two. What's wrong with you? That's fine. That's enough. But then there's this other part that was like, yeah, but does she care about me? Like, really? Mm. Because if I'm going to do this work, like I, I, that has to be true. I have to feel that she has to care about me or there's no way I'm opening up. And I was like, damn it. Like, what am I going to do? Like, because, and I had a friend that said, Chalice, you need to ask her and you need to ask her if she cares about you. And I'm like, I would rather jump off a cliff, yeah. make it on fire. Like. <laughs> Your kid, that sounds like torture. Yeah, rock in a hard place there. Yeah. And she said, you have to ask her mm. if she cares about you. And that felt like the most vulnerable thing I've ever done. But because I'm an eight, she was right. And I had to do it. I had to push myself to do it. And it was such a huge step in that relationship because I put it out there and I was like, I hate that I have to ask you this but I need to know how you feel about me. Oh, like now I can, like I hate that. And she just met it so beautifully and just really first just said, that was really hard for you to do, to put yourself in that place and ask me 
how I feel about you. I just want to commend your strength and your bravery. Like, so she was ready. Yeah. She knows the Enneagram too. So (laughs) the ninja. (laughs) But what a vulnerable thing. Like I needed to know if she cared about me, which just felt so weak and ugh. I love so much that you shared that to be like heard and shared with so many other people, because I think I know I relate to that feeling and it needing to be so hidden and like the jump off a cliff naked on fire into a pool of sharks, like keep adding yes. to it. there's no way, like it would feel like so impossible to do that. But I think that is, gosh, I, we all need that. Any number on the Enneagram mm-hmm. wheel, like to be in that level of closeness and vulnerability in therapy in that way. And to say like, I need to know I'm cared about. I'm more than just this spot or this time or the money you get paid at the end of it. Like I mean something to you too, before I let you see me even on a deeper level. Yeah. Yeah. I just despised the need because then it's out there. It's not something that I myself can just meet Mm. on my own. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think the last thing we have to talk about is the anger. (laughs) Mm. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. anger, um, you know, hallmark of the gut triad, each of the types having a very unique uh, relationship with anger, but it being the current that, or the heartbeat beneath the number. So I'd love to just kind of hear your relationship with anger and kind of how that showed up in your experience of being an eight. Well, first, I love the way you said that being the current and the heart, like it just is. And what's the problem? Yeah. Like, I don't know what the problem is and why anger is thought of as like bad or what's wrong with you, especially it's, being a girl too. It's even like, like Mm. that's even, you're not really allowed to be too angry, but I do feel like I have a baseline. Like I'm, I wake up with a baseline of just, and it's not anger. Like I'm throwing anything across the room. It's just, everything just kind of, I'm just angry, just angry about that. I'm angry about this. It's just a constant thing. But for me, that's not a problem. Yeah. It's not a problem, but I'll have people sometimes be like, what? You're angry? And I'm like, yeah. All the What's time. the problem? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know why that's such a big deal. Like, I'm just, things just piss me off. Like, I'm just like, that's dumb or this is stupid. Or, that's, <laughs> that's dumb. Like, just, there's just some things that when things don't make sense, it makes me angry. Sure. When it just, it, it just is for sure the default it's the current for sure but it's not it's not a big deal like it's mm. it's it's not a f- red face pounding it's not like that yeah it's not violent no yeah it's just aggravating things are annoying and aggravating and stupid and like i love it are you doing that like that and that's Stop. dumb yeah <laughs> Yeah. I just get bothered, just bothered by things. Just bothered. I love that. Yeah. Jen, what is it like for you to hear? Oh, I'm I'm like, am I an eight? <laughs> 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 I'm like, what are you saying? 
it's just like, like I, um, in my unfiltered spaces, will say all the time, that's just so dumb. It's just dumb. Yes. It's stupid. <laughs> like that same feeling like you can just look at something and that those are the best words I have is like that's just so dumb that's just <laughs> stupid. like you're dumb <laughs> yeah you're dumb it's the dumbest thing I say that all the time it's the dumbest thing <laughs> so stupid oh, this is amazing <laughs> oh and, the, and and somebody and I feel like everybody needs to like everybody needs you need to not do that anymore like let me help you let me help you stop doing that so in the midwest people merge they merge like no joke like two miles before yeah, you're talking about traffic have yes. to become one lane <laughs> it is not illegal to to stay in two lanes up until you actually have to merge and if we would just zipper in right zipper you go i go you go i go you go i go we don't have to like it's so ridiculous stop i just it's that's so dumb and and now we're slowed down and there's just no reason to do that and so i'm gonna go in that lane and don't look at me like i'm doing something wrong don't give me the stink eye i'm perfectly don't flip legal. me off don't like look no. at me i'm perfectly legal like a cop could see me do this and he has no problem with me, Yeah, but that's just so dumb. But Chalice, don't that's... you know, the turning lane, it's really actually two miles long. You need to get oh in gosh. there seriously way before. No, no. That's why I like the East coast because people drive like eights Yep, and I appreciate that. Like I'm here for that, but it, it's good. It's honking. It's loud. Oh it's fast. God. Just like, yes, go. just go for it. Go, go, go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, not just like sit at lights and just like wait for people to go. Just like, no, I'm not going to go. Yes. You you go. I'm right, probably not going to go. go. No, you go. Yeah, no, I'll just wait over here. It's like, oh my gosh, stop. I'll wait till traffic dies down. Oh go tomorrow, God. maybe. No, right, right. No, no. So that's an example. That's just one. That's just <laughs> something. One. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. But it makes me mad. So that is the emotion. Like I'm just so mad. Sure. That, that this is that people do this makes me angry. Yeah. And it I mean, anger in the gut triad, one of the I think reasons to talk about it as the current is just that sympathetic charge mm. in, in your nervous system to exert force or to implode force. Like mm -hmm. you've talked about it as, you know, that 60% you know, you're imploding because you're worried about the effect, the remaining mm -hmm. 40, the muchness, you're, mm -hmm. you're, you're scared of the effect that it'll have, or you're not scared, but you're, you know, it will have an effect. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, well, is it the time and place to be that right now? Right. No, it's going to change the outcome. I don't know if that's the outcome that I want. So better mm -hmm. just to dial it down Yeah. For, for nines. Just, I mean, it is implosion. That's it's all mm -hmm. implosion all the time. Um, oh. and for ones, I think it's, it's more calculated than that. And Jen, that's where we talked the last time in the, in the gut conversation about anger feels messy sometimes when it's violent and chaotic on the outside mm -hmm. to ones. Yeah. The anger in my body is used very precisely, very mm -hmm. specifically, very powerfully, 
And when it's used kind of haphazardly, it's like, that's messy. Like you're losing that's your, dumb. Or you're yeah. losing, that's dumb. Yeah. You're losing your control. If you would harness it and focus it, it has such power. Well, and the ones, and here's what I respect about them as well, is not only if the anger is haphazard, is it messy? It's irresponsible. Yes. And that's the ones I love about the, and I think eights, I feel a strong sense of responsibility. Mm-hmm. Like when you're in a position or you did like, you just take responsibility very seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Appropriate and inappropriate become much more like gut level reactions than just ideas. It's like that haphazard, messy, inefficient anger is inappropriate. Like Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not doing anything that it needs to be doing. Yeah. And then you can see it in situations. So you get angry, like, oh, that was irresponsible or that person was inappropriate. And in that position they're in, they shouldn't do that because they're affecting other people. (laughs) And that was, that was wrong. Incorrect. (laughs) Punishable. (laughs) Needs to be reprimanded immediately. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. Um, Well, that's, that's the end of my list. I don't know. Um, Beautiful conversation though. I love it. Yeah. Chalice, anything kind of on your mind just from this conversation about maybe what you still want to share or anything you want to talk about? I think I'm just really thankful for the Enneagram. Like I, (laughs) and because of my anger and because of my sureness of how people should be and what they should do, the Enneagram has helped me Ex- try still hard, but accept that people really are different. I wrote down this thing that people say, I think it's to maybe it's want to ones and eights to stop expecting yourself from other people. Mm. And that's like, because I would rather, here's the arrogance. I would rather everyone be like this. I think everything would be easier, faster, and better. And I mean, how is that not arrogant, right? No, Charles, it's not arrogant. <laughs> but it's just true. So <laughs> I, but because of the Enneagram, like I've found out other people, this really is how they are. And apparently that's okay. <laughs> There's groups of them, right? You've got to yes. get used to that. And they're not just trying to piss me off or like, do play it to with you me, mess with me right yeah. by Not being this you. way or that way um and so it's that's been so helpful and i do care as a social i do care how other people are affected by me and i do want to be in relationship with them in the way they need um and i think it's only because of the social instinct yeah. um and so that again, the Enneagram's been just so helpful. If I know you're a two or a nine or a seven, then I will adjust. Yeah. I will dial myself to whatever is best for you. Um, and that's definitely coming from my instinct, but yeah. Well, I'm gonna have to ponder that phrase for a while. Stop, stop expecting yourself from other people. Yeah. I think that's for the eights and the ones. I think that it makes a lot of yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because we would really prefer it. <laughs> what about Everything you, Jen? Would just make sense. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I resonate 
deeply. It feels hard to like hear you say that so concisely. Cause I want to say like, oh no, but I don't do that. But like, no, I definitely do. And yeah. Yeah. Jen, seriously, wouldn't it be just so much easier, smoother? We'd get things done. We wouldn't waste time. Respect each other. Yeah. The example that's coming into my mind right now is my scheduling stuff, like how I am with my calendar and scheduling. Yes. Chalice, that was, that was a, that was a sharp dig at me. What what Jen just said. Yeah. (laughs) I do it. We've been talking about on the podcast over and over. I do it incorrectly. We are so different in this. And if everyone would just do it my way. Right. Efficient. It's yep. it, it, you're assuming incorrectly that time is real though. That's the problem with your structure is no, you think that tomorrow is going to come. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> I have to think more existential stuff also. <laughs> That's a no for me. <laughs> That's a no. Stop with the existential time wasting stuff. This is a this is a joke that I feel like I can say. Um, but so you just said it's existential, that's time wasting. Well, good luck trying to control your own death from happening, okay? Like <laughs> you can't control that. Sorry. <laughs> oh, schedule. Oh, like <laughs> oh. yeah. I can't with all that. I can't with all that. <laughs> it's fine, I'll keep it to myself. <laughs> I'm a five. I can withdraw. Let me tell you. In all your fiveness. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, my husband's like that. I'm like, can't you just find a group of people with like black turtlenecks and you guys can sit around and just kind of do all that together? I'm not your girl for that. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds terrible. <laughs> yes. Oh, do he and your eldest really sync up a lot? So, sh- but he's self pressed So he's so, okay. he's very different from her. So she emotes pretty, you know, she's, she's a pretty classic for, okay. and so he's just really always just kind of off doing yeah. his own thing in a unique. Isolated kind of way. way. Yeah. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jen, we've talked about doing the couples for yeah, each. I don't sure. know, Chalice, if he would be. Oh open. my gosh. That would be hilarious. Would he be open to that? <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and he would too. He would too. Would too. Well, yeah. I think that would be an amazing episode. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's all for now. Thank you, Charles, for your time. Yeah, you're Um, welcome. This is been such a gift. Jen, anything before we sign off here? No, just like again, thank you for everything you've shared and the vulnerability and all of it. Just to allow other people to get to hear your experience and maybe find places they can relate. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Great. Well, we'll stay on, but I'll stop, stop the recording. Thanks everyone for listening and stay tuned for more Enneagram. We hope that you've enjoyed this podcast episode and that it will aid you in your healing journey. If you are feeling inspired by something that you heard today and desire to seek out your own therapy, we would encourage you to do so and would be honored to support you in finding a therapist that is the right fit for you. You can contact us by emailing therapy at beyondhealingcenter.com. If you want to stay connected, please subscribe to this podcast for more episodes, leave us a review, and follow us on social media by searching Beyond Trauma Podcast.